Hey you guys, welcome back to the Heretics Club. I am very pumped for you to hear this episode because I got to sit down with Miranda Furman, who is one of the people in this world that every single time I sit down with her, uh, I leave feeling filled up, I leave feeling seen and heard, and I also leave feeling like I have a new perspective on my faith, um, on life, on parenting. In this conversation, we are kind of all over the place and we actually talked for an hour and 40 minutes. So that's why it's broken into two parts. What you're gonna listen to today is the first half of our very long conversation. But when I sat down to start editing it, there was nothing, nothing that I could take out. And so I just gave it to uh, you guys in two different packages. For this conversation, we talk about parenting, like for real, for real parenting. Like, why did I have kids? But also, oh my God, I have this kid and they're amazing. We also talk about being in the church, but feeling like an outsider. We talk about seeing God in everything and walking through a season of divorce and and facing outsiders' opinions about that. And Uh, The thing I love about Miranda is that she does not shy away from how much she loves the Bible and how much she loves Jesus, even if she sees those things very differently than other people that she does life with, that she has done life with, or other people that claim to represent uh, the Christian faith. And uh, we also talk about, like, this is the thing that Miranda wants to communicate to everyone is that we're okay. Like we're all okay. And I know that if you are listening to this podcast and you have been through a season of deconstruction where your faith has transformed from being so solid and so certain to going through a season of uncertainty, that you have gone through the pressure of outsiders saying like, I'm really worried about you, or even your own voice inside your head saying, am I okay? Am I going to be okay? And Miranda wants to tell you, you are okay. Listen to this however you want to, but I want to give you a heads up that you will want to take some notes. She has some uh, quotes in here that I literally, as I was editing the podcast, I was like hitting pause and rewind and writing them down. So I was like, yes, I was in this conversation. I still want to write these things down and put them in front of my face. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to go ahead and let you guys get on with this episode. Miranda. What's up, girl? You're on the Heretics Club podcast. Oh my gosh. When you asked, when you asked me, I was like, she was like, do you have any beliefs that are heretical? And I was like, (laughs) which one? (laughs) Got plenty of them for you, You know, I have like a list of people I want to ask to be on the show. But I, I always want to be sensitive to not be like, you're a heretic. Do you want to be on this podcast? Like, like I know. It's like the show is about heretical things. Do you I'm not like... calling you a heretic per se. Right, right, right. Do you have any encounters yeah. with? Has anyone ever suggested that you might be considered in some way, shape, or form? The hedging that goes on, right? The (laughs) hedging that goes on. Okay, so tell my five listeners about yourself. Well... Who are you? Oh, goodness. So I am, um, I'm a mom, um, and, you know, a lot of women 
nowadays are like, that's not the only or the first thing that you are. Mm-hmm. But um, in this season of my life, it is so important. It's like the big rock that the sand mm-hmm. and everything else goes in around. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I often tell people, you know, there's that, you know, don't get lost in your child. And I was like, if we were investing $10,000, we wouldn't go to our accountant and ask, can I see where that first, like I marked those bills. Can you show me mm-hmm. where that, that 10000 is? If, if we had gotten $100 million, right, mm-hmm. like later on in a portfolio, we wouldn't ask for that. And so I don't feel like these years I'm getting lost in my kid by saying I'm a mom first. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's an investment mm-hmm. um, in our future because yeah. the buttholes and the mean people that are running around this earth, like making our lives miserable, mm-hmm. we did that. Mm-hmm. We did that. So I'm a mom. Um, but I'm also, um, a warrior for making sure that we just have less crappy people, Mm -hmm. um, in this world. I think I've always been that in a past Mm -hmm. life. I've been a sociology professor, um, which is when I figured out that we did this to all these people. So we had to fix it. Um, and so, um, I'm no longer a sociology professor. And the thing that I do with people now that are not my child, um, is I'm a pastor and a preacher. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but my first love since I was in fifth grade is writing. So I'm a mom, oh, I'm a writer, um, I'm a preacher and a pastor. Um, but most of all, despite my potty mouth and the fact that I <laughs> question him all the time, I'm a, I'm a wonderful daughter of God. Um, and God is so sweet to me and loves me mm-hmm. so much despite the fact. I'm, I'm glad he doesn't have an inferiority complex. <laughs> I'm constantly questioning what, uh-huh. the heck's going on. <laughs> what the heck's going on in this world, God. Yeah. What are you up to now? I love I love how you just uh, introduced yourself to people. Oh, thank you. I it's taken a while. Yeah. You're like, I don't know I don't who know. I am. You know, I, I went and saw Michelle Obama speak when she came through for her book tour. I know. Lucky does. I have a friend whose mom is a librarian and got some tickets. And so, but she addressed the fact, she was like, you know, when I, when I said that I'm a mom first, I received so much backlash. For it and she was like how ridiculous is that like of course that's the most important thing in my life they're my kids and it's temporary and like, it is you don't yes. have a lot of time to get it right like yes. or to get it like decently enough that a therapist could help and yes. not jail <laughs> <laughs> right yes and if you put the time in in those first five years, then it's a lot, I hope, God, please, I hope it's a mm-hmm. lot easier, right? Than yeah. The rest yeah. of the time that you're responsible for them. But it was so nice to hear someone who I admire so much um, validate that that internal mm-hmm. feeling. Because I am a feminist, but I've never, you know, yeah. I, when I, people rail against uh-huh. motherhood, I'm just like, why? This is like such a beautiful thing of being a woman. And I think it's because, you know... The sheer force of life Mm -hmm. can have us, um, you know, being defined by something rather than co-creating with God to define it, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes we, like, I mean, just think about it. You're so tired and out of it Mm -hmm. that it's very easy. And so much at the very beginning is out of your control and doesn't go the way that you envisioned it to. Right. That it is very easy, you know, shortly after you have brought home this, you know, 
amazing little human, mm-hmm. whether it came out of your body or you even picked it up from somewhere because they said, hey, this thing's going home with you. Mm-hmm. You said you wanted to be responsible. It's very easy to do one of two things. One, throw your hands up in the air and say, you know, so much of this was out of my control. I just give up. Mm-hmm. And two, it's so easy because mom brain is real mm-hmm. to forget what you wanted. Yeah. Until yeah. you feel like it's quote unquote too late. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I feel like I'm just coming out of a fog. Mm-hmm. So my little person's three and a half going mm-hmm. on 85. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's been here before. And you remember his hair growing in. It's like he's Benjamin Button. Like yes. he was like an old man and then he's getting yes. younger. <laughs> and so many times had I not had people around me and things around me mm-hmm. that reflected back to me something different that was hap- than what was happening right now, I would have just said, let's just, uh, whatever, just go mm-hmm. with it. And mm-hmm. I probably would have let other things define what was acceptable, what right. I was going to do, right. the pace I was going to go. Or, and, or take the path of least resistance, right? Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. just, okay, this is, this is easier. I don't, is, is there really a, I don't believe there is a path of least resistance don't I, I, feel, don't I feel like I have to make the choice between like um, I don't know that if you take the path of least resistance at one point that it won't eventually it still hurts like hell <clears throat> I have yes, yes, forsaken yes. what I thought was going to be harder for what mm-hmm. I thought was easier and I can tell you it still hurt like hell mm-hmm in some form, it still hurt like hell. Yeah, I'm I'm of the belief, and life has definitely changed my mind on many other things, so it can change my mind on this. But I'm of the belief mm-hmm. that it's just hard out here. Oh yeah, it period. Is. Yeah, whether we take the quote unquote easier mm-hmm. route or not, and it's you know that whole Buddhist sort of idea of like suffering is the meaning that you apply to mm-hmm. something. And so when the, when the thing that you're going through doesn't have a deep connected meaning for you, then you suffer. Mm-hmm. And when it does, then you say it's grinding. You say it's hustling. Mm-hmm. You say it's, you know, all the ways that we've read, redone these things. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, we forget that God promised us. Like we always talk about, oh, God's promises are yay and amen. And he promised me <laughs> that I am wonderfully and beautifully made. He also promised that in this life there would be tribulation. Let us know. Yes. Yes. I love my Jewish friends because they're like, God said uh-huh. it was going to be bad. And so I, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm here for it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to so think for it. about that. It's, it's hard for me, it's it's been a hard thing for me to swallow. Mm-hmm. So I've also been a yogi for, let's see, if this is 2019, I've been a yogi for 21 years. Okay. I've practiced yoga um, and learned from yoga and, and let yoga make me feel good um, and run from yoga for 24, 21 years. Mm-hmm. And I think initially one of the fallouts I had with yoga was this whole, you know, let's go with the flow thing. And in my head, when you're flowing, you're like floating, mm-hmm. right? And even in Texas, like we do tubing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I've got, I've got like a, I've got like a Corona in my uh-huh. hand yeah. and there's a little bit of sunburn, but uh-huh. it's, you know, it's like bearable and I've got my glasses and in my tube and mm-hmm. like sometimes the water spins me around, but you know, yeah. 
Lazy oh. River. We got it going. Mm-hmm. And that is not always going with the flow. A waterfall is a flow. Mm-hmm. And that shit's scary. Mm-hmm. Waterfalls are scary. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And so... Yeah, that's a good analogy. I think sometimes we think the path of least resistance will make us feel better mm-hmm. or will make things go better. Mm-hmm. And like a waterfall, there's not, you, you, there's not a lot of resistance for no, a waterfall. There's, yeah, there's not. But that still is like a drop. Mm-hmm. Like it's still crazy. And Man, uh, y'all better get your pens because <laughs> you're going to want to write some of this stuff down. You use this in your Instagram captions. It's like, right? It's, it's like, pause, pause it. Like, pause. pause. Backup. Backup 15 seconds. Backup 15 seconds. <laughs> I love that little 15 second, like, Yes. Thing. Oh, my gosh. And I love the 30 second skip for the commercials. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because, like, my mm-hmm. finger getting that little dot to go back enough, I never could, no. I could never mm-hmm. do that. Yesterday, Kyle, we were watching Survivor. Kyle tried to rewind it, like, 10 seconds and somehow ended up 30 minutes previous on the apple tv and then you're he like, was like how did i do that? that and i was like your finger probably just brushed against right. it and nobody has time to start all over no like, no okay so let's get into this uh we're gonna start out we haven't gotten by into you it yet, telling no. me <laughs> <laughs> we have we have we have we have but let's get into the meat yes let's get into the meat tell me about your experience Growing up spiritually, whatever that mm-hmm. looked like. What was your introduction oh, to spirituality? My gosh. So I tell my story. I call myself a church mouse. So um, I don't, from as far back as I can remember. Well, this is not true. I, I can remember a time when I was a kid when we my parents did not go to church regularly. I can remember that. Um, my dad was in the army. We moved around a lot. I, can, I, you know, I don't have those memories of like we were always in church. Mm. But I do remember whenever we were stateside um, and we were around family that there was like I was like behind the scenes in church. So like helping mm-hmm. my grandmother make communion trays, like helping my aunts vacuum the church. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. Um, and from like, and I'm talking East Texas, small backwoods church. So I can remember praying in prayer meeting. And so like, we're all in a circle mm-hmm. and they didn't skip the kids. Mm. Like you got to pray as a kid. Like, mm. you know, my brother would sometimes be off in the corner, like playing. But if you were sitting in the circle mm-hmm. um, and they'd invite you into the circle, you know, it's like, hey, we're going to sit down and pray. Do y'all kids want to come over? Mm. Um, and so I never, um, you know. From its fu- other than like that first five years or so mm-hmm. of my life, my dad came back to the states when I was about. I started first grade here, so probably about five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my brother was born when I was seven and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time he was born, yeah, we were in church Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. Thursday, all the things, all the all things, the right? Sunday morning, go back home. Sunday evening, right? All the things. Um, But there was also, even though I grew up in a very orthodox, sort of restrictive Mm -hmm. um, church background, so like girls couldn't wear pants and there were no women preachers, there weren't, there weren't even like hardly even women song leaders, like all of service was like run by men. Mm -hmm. Um, There were women Sunday school teachers, but that was like Mm -hmm. back in the back, right? And so... So even though I grew up in that sort of restrictive, ch- like formal church environment, at home we talked about dreams. 
Hmm. Um, and, um, whether or not they helped, they were like God's pathway to help us like understand something that was about to happen to us. Hmm. Um, you know, God was talking to us or speaking to us or putting something on our heart in our dreams. And was there like a charismatic element to your, the church that you would go to? There was not. So it, so if anyone is familiar with the church of Christ, Mm -hmm. So like there was no music, yeah, yeah. Just there was no, just sing okay. acapella. There was no, you know like there was book, chapter, and verse for every single thing. Um, I I credit my ability like even before. So I told y'all now that I pastor a church. Even before I accepted like the call that I was going to like preach and pastor because mm-hmm. I ran from that for a very long time. I was like uh, I could just volunteer. Like, I've been around church my entire <laughs> life. Like, you don't have to be the preacher or uh-huh. the pastor to, like, do good work for God. I was like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, sign me up for the volunteer role. Um, but I credit the fact that a lot of people were like, but you have so much of God's word in your heart. I was like, everybody can have God's word in their heart if they sit, like, three <laughs> times a week with someone yes. telling them a Bible verse. And, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. um, I don't remember, like, the harsh, like, um we didn't have like a lot of speeches where we had to like memorize our verse and things like that. Um, but it was just so much there and so around and it was not charismatic at all. It was very just disciplined, traditional. Like if you're doing something three times a week, every week Mm -hmm. from all of your childhood, like if you don't leave with some of that on you, Mm -hmm. like I don't even know how that's possible. (laughs) Um, and so a lot of the things that might be considered more charismatic, my having an open heart to the idea of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. having an open heart to um, the idea that God still moves on the earth, mm-hmm. that it's not just this book of stories that happened a long time right. ago, um, that there's something that can move you, even mm-hmm. though we didn't have music, right? Mm-hmm. Those things came from my home, yeah, came from my mom and my dad and the idea that... Um, God still tries to get our attention. Mm-hmm. And I don't think my dad, my parents never used that f- the phrase God spoke or God speaks or God mm-hmm. is telling me. But, and I lost my mom when I was 20, so it's hard for me to like really remember things because I can't ask her and I don't have her voice still currently going in my head. But there was just an openness to this idea mm-hmm. that you could be moved in this moment. Mm-hmm. by something that you weren't expecting mm. um, that I think left me open to like later ventures into more charismatic, more charismatic denominations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had my first crisis, <laughs> had my first crisis in that church that I grew up in. I was 17, no, 16 years old, 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you that are familiar with Doctrine of Church of Christ, like they are the only ones <laughs> So very much like Jehovah Witnesses, like mm-hmm. this, this idea of like a chosen one, a chosen set of folks that are still on this earth that God had intends. And so, um, but we had friends, I had friends, I would go to retreats at the Catholic church. I had friends that we would go see their Easter speeches at the Baptist church. Like mm-hmm. we were all over the place. My mom let, did not restrict us sort of mm. in that way despite her own beliefs because she had grown up in the church of christ and so now that i'm thinking about this like she grew up in this very orthodox but was very open Mm -hmm. to everything and didn't there wasn't this idea that you could be tainted Hmm. (laughs) um that what you believed what you believed but then when i was 16 homecoming 
Homecoming my sophomore year. Was it my No. It was her sophomore year. Nope. It may have been my sophomore year. I'm getting too old. I'll be 40 this year. Mom brain and 40 will do it to you. <laughs> but 16 years old, um, homecoming week, we had our parade and we had our bonfire. And out in East Texas, the place for the pasture for the bonfire was across the street from the school. So we were very close. Mm-hmm. So we had our parade. We had our bonfire. They had sectioned off the road so cars couldn't get through during the parade but this was sort of like as things were ending and so some people had sort of moved some of the barriers and some people were like getting through but they were going slowly and so you know we were trying to cross the street things like that two-lane road that Mm -hmm. ran through town not a big deal and someone that we later found out was both uh intoxicated and high Mm -hmm. so careens through the barriers comes down the street uh, and a young woman who uh was 14 yeah she was a freshman yeah it's my junior year freshman who i had mentored because you can Mm -hmm. imagine out in east texas small town who i'd mentored since we were she was in elementary school and i was in middle school for cheerleading and dance and Mm -hmm. things like that um got hit and died Oh, man. And I and a group of my friends had just crossed the street. Mm-hmm. And, like, bef- like as we were getting ready to turn around, like, adults, like, got in between. So I, n- I never saw her. Mm. But I can remember hearing, like, the screeching brakes. And apparently, according to the, what my mom and dad told me later, I, w- I went into shock. Mm-hmm. And I just kept screaming, you can't tell me she's going to hell. You can't tell me she's going to hell. You can't tell me she's going to hell. Oh. And so that was my first crisis of, of like faith. Like what I'd been told I believed mm-hmm. every day of my life for as long as I can remember came into, you know, a collision with what my heart knew, yeah. which was whatever church she went to and denomination she was like, it was not God's intent mm-hmm. with what she had brought to this earth to say that it didn't matter. Yeah. And she wasn't valuable to God and she wasn't going to spend the rest of, you know, her soul wasn't going to spend the rest of eternity with God. Um, yeah. And that began me sort of on this path of like, I'm going to seek you God, no matter how it looks. Yeah. Um, so before mm-hmm. we transition to, um, before we get into when it started mm-hmm. breaking down for you, what, when you think back to, like, that sounds lovely, your experience of being in this church and being mm-hmm. validated even as a child and invited into the process and then having so much openness at home so that it didn't mm-hmm. feel like, um, what's the right word, like super authoritarian or really mm-hmm. restrictive or, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds like you... Would you, when you look back on Mm -hmm. your kind of where your foundations were laid, Mm -hmm. what is the general feeling there? Um, the general feeling is like humans really struggling to figure out the amazingness that is God Mm. because I, I mean, I did feel restriction, um, but I didn't feel powerless. And so I haven't exactly sorted all that out, but so for instance, um, you know, we couldn't wear pants to church and I love dresses. I mean, you've seen me, I wear dresses even Mm -hmm. when, I mean, 
But the idea that someone would tell me I couldn't do something was mm-hmm. just not in the spirit that God gave me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, that had to, so the incident with my friend had to have happened when I was 17. Because when I was 16, yes. So my birthday is December 30th. I don't know how many of y'all in faith traditions are familiar with the watch night service. So on um, New Year's Eve, uh-huh. you have a late church service no matter what day it is to celebrate and pray in the new new year year. okay um and it's sort of like just a time of fellowship and you know all kinds of things and so I always had my birthday I got a year older before watch night service so the year that I turned 16 Mm -hmm. 16 was when I could ride to church with my friends Mm -hmm. so I still had to go to church but I could I didn't have to ride with my family Mm -hmm. to church um (laughs) And so, and then I could also drive to church by myself. So if I had a rehearsal or a practice or something and my mom's like, well, I got to get your brother to bed. Mm -hmm. Like you could go and drive, right? And so watch night service, 24 hours later, I get to ride with my friends. And Mm -hmm. I decide this is 94. Mm -hmm. Those, the first, well, not the first time, but the first time in our iteration that those pants that look like skirts when you stand up came. Oh yeah. Right? Culottes. Yeah. So I decide I'm going to wear these, but I understand (laughs) how both the church works and how my dad works. And I know that my dad will go with what the church says and I will get in trouble if my dad sees me first. But if one of the elders goes and tells my dad, then Mm -hmm. my dad will feel like he got blindsided and he like, he can't not know what's going on in this house, not in front of the men uh-huh. of the church. Okay. So if someone else told him, did you know Brenda's wearing pants? He'd be like, yeah, I told her. Because he can't yeah, seem like he yeah. doesn't have control of his daughter, uh-huh. right? Oh, and this is so interesting. <laughs> so I ride to church with my friends uh-huh. and I time it. Like we sit in the like parking lot so that we come into uh-huh. the church so that someone else, a few other people, adults, see us. Before wow, my dad really sees thought us. this out. Yeah. So it's like, I'm wearing pants. I'm like, what are you doing? You're going to get in trouble. I was like, I am wearing pants. And watch, we're all going to get to wear pants when it's all said and done. Like, I was like, it's not just going to be tonight. It's oh going to be gosh, for forever. <clears throat> I don't know where the Thelma and Louise came in me about pants. Because I don't even care about pants. Yeah. Like, I yeah. normally wear dresses. Like, even when yeah. it's cold. And so I don't know what it was. But it happened. And one of the elders went and told my dad. And my dad, like... Basically, he's like, hold up, dude. Are you trying to tell me what's going on in my house? And then, first of all, why are you looking at what my daughter's wearing? Oh. You know, like, my dad just goes all the way there. Like, look, me, as for me and my house, like, leave us alone, essentially. And I basically, I got to wear pants. For <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're I, kidding me? I never got in trouble to this day. If we called my dad right now, <laughs> I'd be like, nope, she didn't get in trouble for it. She wore pants all the time, and the other girls got to wear pants now. That's amazing. And so... <laughs> And the other girls started wearing pants. Okay. Man. Yep. Okay. That is Miranda. That's me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I can remember now coming back from college and not on Sundays, but on like Wednesday night service or like a, like a Monday night prayer mm-hmm. service. Like women, I could, like my mom and some of her friends at the church would like wear. Okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like skinny jeans, you know. Right, but it, sure, you know, yeah. they would like they wouldn't feel like they had to rush home and change from what they were at work. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, we have church tonight, so I've got to wear this to work. Like I can remember. Hmm. And there were still people who were like, you know, 
you know, there would be sermons about women and the likeliness of men and that God did not wow. appreciate it. But we, while we were sitting there wearing our pants. Oh and so I felt these restrictions, but I yeah. don't think I ever felt stifled or powerless. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I'm going to have to talk to my dad about that. I don't know how hmm. that happens. I've always just said God didn't give me that kind of spirit. Um, it's part of the reason why um, I share, um, I've shared part of my testimony before, I think with you in my first marriage, which was an abusive marriage. Um, I left because I was like telling my friends, I was like, if he gets angry enough to try to hurt me again, I'd probably kill him. I was like, God did not give me, it's like, God did mm-hmm. not give me a spirit of fear. I am not, the only thing I'm afraid of is them building a jail on top of me and naming it mm-hmm. like after me because I was like, Dr. Furman, you, <laughs> you, you mentor young women and sit on the board of, you know, these family shelters. Why did you stab your husband 111 times? Like, why did you not just leave? And so, you know, it sort of held me accountable to like, hey, you don't have to be here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which is strange because I think in a therapy session, my first husband asked me one time, why did you think I was going to hit you? Hmm. And I was like, well, we were 30 by the time we got married. Mm-hmm. And stati- and as a woman, like statistics say, three and four women are going to be in some type of abusive relationship. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'd been engaged like more than half a dozen times by the time we got married. Mm. It's like, I was in my 30s. I was like, it's just the odds. Unfortunately, that's the world that we live in. Like, this is the odds. Mm. Um, I was like, so, but it didn't create a spirit in me that made me, like, afraid to continue to try to find love or afraid to, like, say, you know, hey, I've never believed in divorce, but I've got to walk away from this because God commands me to love my neighbor let alone my husband Mm -hmm. and killing you i don't i don't think that's the expression of love (laughs) that your mom intended when she (laughs) witnessed her vows um and so it's just the struggle if there's any struggle i've ever had it's god i have this vision of like meek gentle women Mm -hmm. that just sort of like flow Uh with like these robes of beautiful colors mm-hmm. and like mother earth energy and god i'm over here like wearing pants and turning over basically i'm turning over temples and yeah. everybody's hearts you know turning over these tables and everybody's hearts mm-hmm. it's like can i just be that gentle mm. that gentle and so that's the battle that i've always had like looking around and feeling like god you made me wild mm-hmm. as <laughs> to me that the love of God looks you know that might be the most relatable (laughs) thing I've ever heard anyone say I remember um we how can I tell a short version of this story we used to be in relationship with a with a group of people that were very like spiritual family and Mm -hmm. um, all of that and there was we used to get together for conferences once a year and, and one year we had two in one year and I go to one of these conferences and a couple of people in different instances were like you just look so much softer and I remember being like you just that's the wrong <laughs> that's the wrong thing that's the wrong thing it's to not say a me. compliment that's not a compliment yeah that's not a compliment 
And um, just that that's always been a theme of like, if you think I need to be soft to be who God made me to be, then you don't know who God made me to be. Right. Right. Like I wasn't made to be this like, right. The flowy, (laughs) soft spoken. That's just not, that's not me. That is not how I'm going to be in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -mm. Okay. So let's talk about when things started to break down. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I think that started, that, so when my friend, so that was my junior year, Mm -hmm. and so I started to really struggle with my community, Mm -hmm. so I didn't really struggle with God, Mm because it just, it was just such a fierce, strong idea that this could not have been what God intended, Mm -hmm. um, so I started to struggle with my community, um, and so then college is coming up, and I run as far away as possible. And I said when I left Texas in high school that I was never, I was never coming back to Texas. Mm-hmm. Of course, God laughs, right? <laughs> um, but I think that started me on a quest. Then that okay, God, you say that community exists, and we're supposed to live in community. Mm-hmm. But I can't find, basically, I can't find my community. Mm-hmm. Like, because they either want me to be softer or they have these rules that don't make any sense when I think about some of the other people mm-hmm. that I know have your heart. I know this person has your heart. I know you're working in their lives. Mm-hmm. Like, this cannot, you know, because church people, Southern people, you know, they're quick to say, oh, God's not in that. Mm-hmm. And I would like, no, God is mm-hmm. in that. Like, I can see, like, these qualities, mm-hmm. you know, the fruit of the Spirit. Or, I was like, I can see it. Like, what do you mean God's not in that? Um, and so if I felt that or I heard that, I'd mm-hmm. be like, okay, this is not my community. Mm. And so I feel... And where like, did you go to college? Where were you? I went to... I was in Oklahoma. So basically just northern Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You just said... You, you didn't go as far away as you could. I did not go as far away as I could. But then I went to, from Oklahoma, I went to New York. Okay. Um, and then I did, gra- I did graduate studies in New York. Um, and New York was like a respite, but it created a measuring stick that until the past few years in the faith community that we share, mm-hmm. I had not ever, I basically... I was in community, but I never really joined. I never really considered mm. it mine. And so there, um, there's a seminary and there's a church connected to that seminary. So Union Theological Seminary in, in uh, Manhattan, New York, and Riverside Church. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God, it's like an old stone, like literally, like stone, like a monastery. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interdenominational. So two denominations had found where they intersected mm. and where that commu- where the folks in that neighborhood needed them mm. to intersect in that way to cover them and, you know, grow their spiritual life. And like all of that just fascinated like it was just amazing to me yeah. how they had figured out how to do regular life with regular people mm-hmm. um and not exclude anyone like mm-hmm. that and I was fast I loved it I loved being in that community it was probably the first place that I served like I went to church to serve mm-hmm. not for church service not to like sing that because I loved you know the music and things like but I would go just to serve mm-hmm. um and but then when I left 
and I ended up, I was in DC for a little while and then I moved to Michigan to do my doctoral work and I once again would find myself in a faith community. I would love, I would love the parts of Mm -hmm. church, but it just felt like, but we're excluding people, but we're saying Mm -hmm. certain people and certain things, God doesn't exist in certain people and certain things. And I just, it just doesn't resonate with me because I'm seeing God Mm -hmm. in these things that you're saying God cannot be in. Um, and what were some of those things? What were some of the places? So, um, you know, that, um, if you get too much education, Hmm. um, you can start to ask questions of the world and Mm. of God that Mm -hmm. are, um, you know, um, what's the word? The word is escaping me now, but are, um, not heretical. What's the, uh, what's the other word? I can't remember the other word that they use, but they're, um, not blasph- blasphemy that are blasphemous. Blas- blasphemous and i'm like y'all god god created all this god does not yeah. <laughs> have an inferiority complex god like, is not threatened by god this. is yeah. not threatened by this like mm-hmm. i mean because think about it in our own human form mm-hmm. with our ego taking over so much of more of our life than we even wanted to when we create something mm-hmm. and then someone asks us about it we that is the most in love we ever are Mm-hmm. Like we like dive in and start talking about all right and go into yeah. like the nuances, asking someone who creates something about the thing that they created. Mm-hmm. Even if you're like, I don't even know how you did that. How yeah. did you get lemon curd inside of a muffin? <laughs> like it's still creamy, but the muffin is solid. Like I don't understand how you did this. Like you mm-hmm. can come up with that energy and they'll be like, Oh my god, this is so easy. So let me tell you how you take this piping and you right right when you love a thing that you mm-hmm. created and someone asks you questions you don't respond as like so you know as the bible verse goes how much more though than your mm-hmm. father in heaven if that and so i'm like that is not even this king james version of the bible that was only translated so this dude could throw away a wife and get a new one doesn't even say that <laughs> so he could throw away like even the most restrictive translation of the bible does not say that says that if we as humans Mm -hmm. get like that about the thing that we create and the thing that we love that god i was like so god does not have any inferiority complex and if i want to ask him anything that i want Mm -hmm. like god are you sure that you made me Mm -hmm. a woman are you sure that you made me to be a mother as i'm holding the baby that came through my body right Mm -hmm. all of these things that oh my god you can't say that Mm -hmm. you can't Right? And you can only say it to, like, one person in a confessing, like, I want to be better. No, I don't want to be anybody's mama today. And the fact that this kid is attached to my boob right now makes mm-hmm. me want to scream. And I'm going to say that, and I'm going to say it to somebody who's going to bring over tacos and stuff them in yes. my mouth yes. while I do yes. it and say, yes, honey, I know. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I've come to say one of my, like, things that I fall back on often in conversations with people who just don't understand, they just cannot grasp where I'm at right now mm-hmm. is like if if God is threatened by anything that I do, if I can do anything to make God right feel like He's not God, that's not a God I want right. really anything to do with. Like that's y'all that's not all, all powerful, right? Like that's not y'all. How small do you have to make God for us to be threatening? Both who God is. Both Old Testament, Jonah, the four chapters of Jonah. Do y'all realize Jonah never got his shit together? 
Like, jo- the book of Jonah <clears throat> ends with Jonah on top of a mountain, mm-hmm. looking over the city of Nineveh, waiting, saying, like, God, like, they're still not going to get it all together. I'm, I'm just going to wait for you and have to blow them up anyway. Mm-hmm. That's what. That's how it ends. Like, it ends with Jonah, like, saying, well, I wish I had as much faith in the humans you created as you did. <laughs> like... <laughs> Right, yeah. yeah. Jonah does not, the book of Jonah does not end with like, oh my God, God, you saved my life and put me in this fish and then spit me out on the shore and not into the water. And you didn't kill those. And now I will be a faithful servant. And now I will be a faithful servant to you. And I believe that these people are as good as you say that. That is not how that goes at all. Mm -hmm. First of all, Jonah's like, so you saved my life. Why? (laughs) WTF. I'm still here. I thought this was going to be the right. end of me. Why don't you just kill me already? Because you're, you're like, mm-hmm. these people. Right? And so, yeah. we, like, it yeah. is not, it, yeah, it is not, and like, even as both of my marriages were falling apart, like, people were like, well, what are you praying for? Like, what do you hope God does? And I was like, like, don't you, you know, and don't you hope that God changes your husband and like heals? And I was like, do y'all realize every marriage in the Bible was dysfunctional? Mm-hmm. I was like, every marriage in the Bible was dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Like, there are plenty of examples of how to like, like if if I want to stay in a dysfunctional marriage, like there are plenty of examples of how of how to do that right like it's this is not i was like but saying god i want you to show me like how i can be more of who you want me to be Mm -hmm. and if who you want me to be keeps this like i'm just i'm just gonna seek you more Mm -hmm. forget the confine and and then coming to oh so me seeking you more has imploded like we don't have the capacity Mm -hmm. to be more of who you've called us to be and remain married like we will basically destroy each other Mm. oh Mm -hmm. okay well then i guess i won't hold on for dear life right and there and there is a biblical out you know there's infidelity or there's this or there's Mm -hmm. that and so i'll take the out because I'm going to destroy my witness and I'm going to destroy his witness. And then in my second marriage, we had a little one. I was like, and then I'm going to destroy this little person's witness of mm-hmm. what love is and what God is and what. I was like, yeah. Let me, you know, and so this idea that what God does in our life looks a certain way, mm-hmm. that is completely been destroyed over and over again in my mm. life and com- and has really been a thorn in how I can relate to people. Mm. So I'm already an introvert. I already mm. feel like a weirdo because I feel like my spirit is different than how God has made. And then I'm trying to connect with people, mm-hmm. moving around from faith community to faith community, and basically I, can't, I feel like I can't value what they're saying because mm-hmm. they're saying God's in this little box. And I'm saying, yes, God is in that box. But you do realize God is in this other box that you're saying God could never be in. Like mm-hmm. God's in all the boxes. He's in no box and mm-hmm. he's in all the boxes. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then they want to like spray me with water and like pray uh-huh. over me. And and I'm like, but I'm okay. Yeah. And not taking that on. I think that has been mm-hmm. like the idea mm-hmm. that 
I'm a, that I'm not okay and I need to like fix something. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, God made me like this, so that means I'm mm-hmm. okay. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with yeah. it, but I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And I and I know we've talked about this sometimes. Sometimes in our parenting, like how do we just keep the understanding in our little ones that they're whole mm-hmm. that they are whole and they okay they are fine mm-hmm. like I don't know how you're gonna use it little human like figure that out yeah but you don't need to fix anything mm-hmm. you don't need to like yeah but I think that's and the idea yeah. I think the, the tension there sometimes can be that we have this romantic idea of if we are whole everything will be good Mm-hmm. Right, but like you're saying, mm-hmm. like that's not what we've been promised. Right. right, right. Like we're called to walk through the bullshit exactly in our wholeness, so that we can be who we have been made to be, in order to clear some of the bullshit away. But that doesn't mean we don't have to walk through the shit. Right. It doesn't. Right. Yeah. And we were called to walk through the shit together. Yes. Like it has been amazing to me the times that Jesus. Because that's what we know of on earth. And even God would get upset, like angry, because most of the stories are about love and healing mm-hmm. and miracles. But those stories about when they got upset, it was when their homies weren't, wouldn't stay with them. Mm-hmm. Why are you leaving this person alone? Why mm-hmm. are you trying to make this person feel alone? Could you not sit here and wait for me? Like, mm-hmm. like... I'm, Could you just stay away? Can you just Please. stay? Like, my dad's, like, telling me this crazy shit's about to go down, and y'all can't even hang out and wait for me. Just, like, sit here, right, for yeah. a minute. And, like, this idea that, because I, to me, that was, I think that was one of the things that just caused a break for me with so many spiritual communities, was when there would be these ideas of, like, you know, I'm seeking advice on how to, like, walk with a friend um, who needs an abortion and I'm like well you can't go with her you mm. can't take her and I'm like so who, who's gonna be mm. there with her right like yeah what are you talking about well you know if you go with her then you're condoning it yeah and I was like so mm. first of all you know and and I, I was just like when our ideas of God cause us to separate or divide Mm-hmm. That is that like that is contrary to all of what God intended. Like God did not intend for us to be separated or divided. Mm-hmm. And so like but I think we conflate the discomfort that mm-hmm. comes from trying to move all the bullshit away so that we can connect. Mm-hmm. Like we conflate discomfort with separation. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, "Oh, we can't bring up hard topics because that'll cause division it's Mm -hmm. like no that's clearing away bullshit so that we can connect but this idea of like i want to connect with you and you're telling me you can't connect with this person because they do this thing because they have this addiction because they're you know doing this thing because they believe it like and it Mm -hmm. it can't like god sent people into leper villages Mm -hmm. like literally we like who we are is okay and who we are can't be tainted or changed like Mm. it can't bullshit can be like it can get dirty right. it can like be clouded in all of this stuff mm-hmm. right 
But once again, like all of that stuff can be washed away and all of that stuff can be peeled away. And when mm-hmm. someone holds up and was like, girl, do you know? Like one time I walked in and my mascara had like, <laughs> it was still wet when I got in the car uh-huh. and then I put my sunglasses on and it like, like smushed in my face and it gotten everywhere. And it was like, girl, did you know this is how you looked? And it's like, oh, that was not no. what I intended. Mm-mm. Let me go clean that up. <laughs> But for real, was there any part of that that I could have cut out? No. Thank you, Miranda. Cannot wait for people to hear the second part of the conversation. It'll be out within 24 hours, so look for that. Special thanks, as always, to Loud Harp for this beautiful music that you're hearing behind my voice right now. If you love what you're hearing, make sure that you check out Dave Wilton's Kickstarter for his solo project, A Boy and His Kite. He is raising funds to support the people who helped him put this project together. Dave's music is beautiful, and I know that you're going to love what he has created. So just hop over to Kickstarter and search for A Boy and His Kite, and you should be able to find it. If you want to engage with people who are also listening to this podcast, make sure you're following us on Instagram. You can find the Instagram account at The Heretics Club, all spelled out. And I'm not posting very much intentionally because I want you to be able to easily find the episode that you listen to and then comment below, oh my gosh, when Kelsey said this or when Janielle said this or when Miranda said this, it impacted me in this way and share your story below. And speaking of sharing stories, I am looking for people to interview. So if you want to share your story, I want you to send me an email. Go to my website at amandasteed.com and use the contact form and let me know why you want to share your story what kind of the the arc of your story is or even just say i'm not sure what to share but i really want to be interviewed because i think that other people would resonate with with my story and listen ladies that means you too because we and this is not just true of women but i am a woman so i can speak to it men if you feel this way then i want you to listen to me as well If you're feeling like my story is not that important, I don't have that much to say, that is not true. It's not. If you have a story that you feel like resonates with something that you've heard on this podcast, I want you to send me an email, even if it means that I am drowning in emails. And if you have a friend whose story is just like amazing and you're like, girl or dude, you need to share your story, please send them the contact information and have them contact me. Thank you so much for listening. I can't wait for you guys to hear the second part of this. And uh, I hope you have a great day. And I never know exactly how to end these things. Bye, guys.